Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. I have with me Career Club founder and president, Bob Goodwin. Um, Bob, has a, as the founder and president of Career Club, he has a unique service that uses proven sales and marketing methods to help clients land a career that matters to them. The inspiration for Career Club was born from his experience leading client engagements for global brands like Coca-Cola, Samsung, and P&G, where he saw the opportunity to blend marketing principles with sales technology to conduct effective job search campaigns. Um, Bob, thank you so much for joining me. We've been connected now for a few years, but this is the first time we, uh, we've been able to really get together and chat. No, Virginia, it's great to be with you. And yeah, I'm really excited that we finally have the chance to, to get connected here. So thank you. You heard me give a brief overview of Career Club and, and what you do, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about how what prompted you do to start this company and and how you transition into the career space. Yeah. So as you said, you know, my my career has been sales and marketing and um, you know, which I really love. Uh, along the way, and I probably just being a salesperson, sales leader, doing a lot of networking. And as you know, when you do a lot of networking, you tend to bump into people who are in job transition. And mm-hmm. you know, started, yeah, I'd be happy to meet with you, you know, kind of pay it forward. And what I observed very quickly was sort of two things. One is people were not very good with their messaging. You're kind of the, tell me about yourself. Tell me, what are you looking for? It would just get garbled almost immediately. And like, okay, so there's a big branding opportunity here for people to get their message right. And then the second bit is they didn't really think of their job search as the sales campaign that it is. And if we were on video, you would watch me, you know, make a funnel and you're filling a bunch of stuff up at the top of a funnel, like a salesperson would with prospects and opportunities, knowing that they're not all going to close, but you need enough stuff working so that you can make your quota at the end of the month, quarter, year, or whatever. And you know, as we tell our clients, the good news is, is you have a quota of one, you only need one new company. But but most people don't think of you know their job searches like a sales campaign, and therefore they don't work enough opportunities. And what they do is they get too emotionally attached to one or two. And then when they inevitably fall apart for whatever reason, usually nothing to do with the candidate, um, you know, they're crushed. And then they also have to start all over again. And a salesperson would never bank on making their number based on one prospect. Like they know they need to have more stuff going. So anyway, long story short is, you know, between people needing help with their messaging and then just making sure that they've got you know sufficient activity level were sort of the two kind of main ideas or main needs that I saw in the marketplace. And then just very quickly, what kind of kickstarted it all was uh, the pandemic. And okay. when you see 30 million, 40 million people, you know, went on unemployment this month. Uh, a friend of mine that knows what I'm passionate about this, he's like, dude, when are you going to make this your career? This is like what you love to do. And, you know, I'm at a stage in my career where you know, I can make a choice. And and so I'm like, you know what? If not now, when? And so right. the career club was born. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, I, I like you, I've always thought of job search as very similar to sales and marketing. And one thing that I think lends itself well to people with a sales and marketing background once they make the connection is that they are skilled at at getting past the gatekeepers <laughs> in a way that people that aren't in sales aren't. And that's a big part of of job search is is you know trying to bypass applicant tracking software system and get getting in front of the people that can really influence the decision. Yeah. And so that's such a great point, Virginia. And thanks for bringing that up because you know, that's again, part of what we have to teach people. And I liken an online job posting to a request for proposal, an RFP that a company might put out there. And any salesperson usually hates RFPs (laughs) because you're dealing with procurement, not the decision maker. You have no impact on the process. You just sort of throw your bid into a black box 
and hope and pray that somebody calls you back on another day telling you that you've advanced in their procurement process. That's pretty much exactly what happens with online job applications. Yeah. Except, you know, procurement is called talent acquisition and you go into the ATS and you hope and pray somebody calls you back. And as a salesperson, we would never do that. We would have a territory, which means we would have identified, you know, prospects. And so, all right, well, who are the XD companies that are my target companies that, you know, are in my territory? Now, who's a decision maker at that company, decision makers or decision influencers? How do I connect to those people, either networking or find, you know, a valued, valid business reason to reach out to them and establish direct contact with the decision maker? Exactly. That's what salespeople do all day, every day. They do it all day in and day out. Yep. Um, And it's amazing how many people in sales and marketing don't realize the, don't see that connection. Um, Oh oh my gosh. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like, dude, this is what you do all day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really a huge case. Right. Um, So in your experience, both as a hiring manager for many years, I'm sure, as well as what you do today in your work supporting job seekers, what do you see as a couple of, of common and major challenges facing people that are either, you know, g- testing out the job search waters or maybe looking to make a career pivot? Yeah, so so we, we've kind of touched on both of them. We can do a little bit of a deeper dive. Um, okay. One is on messaging. So I wrote a job search course called Making Your Own Weather. And again, kind of salespeople don't just sit around and complain about bad conditions or whatever. They go and make something happen. And that was sort of the genesis of, well, if you don't like the rain, go make some sunshine. Um, one of the very early chapters in that is um, around branding. And you know, what is what is your value proposition? What problems do you solve for a company? And how do you articulate those? And as you know, as a a, first class resume writer, people get very stuck just on that and or say, well, you know, tell me, Julie, what's the role that you're looking for? Well, you know, I've done a lot of different things. I've been in sales. I've been in operations. I've got some HR background. I'm like, stop. Like you're immediately going in the junk drawer of my mind. I don't know (laughs) what to do with you. I, I don't know what you are. But from the candidate's perspective, what they what they think they're doing is keeping their options open. And it's having the opposite effect uh, because now I like I don't know how to help you because you don't you can't tell me what you want. The other analogy is like, hey, you know, can you give me directions? OK, well, where are you trying to get to? I don't really know. Well, I, I don't right. know what the directions I don't know are. So so one is getting people to have enough courage and conviction to say, this is what I'm looking for. This is what the role is called. This is the functional area. And this is what I, and you can have a couple of them, but you can't have 20, you know, to this is, this is what I'm targeting. I think that is one you know thing that people need help with. The, the other, and this might be very relevant, you know, as we're recording this, where layoffs, you know, are, mm-hmm. you know, increasing, unfortunately. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, People's emotional state and their attitude, uh, that's actually the first chapter, you know, in making your own weather is all about uh, attitude because, you know, sometimes like when people get let go from a company and they're told, well, you need to start networking, Virginia, you need to go network. And, you know, it's like, okay, but if I'm still angry and upset and hurt by what happened to me in my last company, a lot of that conversation tends to be around. Let me tell you how badly I was treated. Let me tell you unfair. Yeah, and they can't, and they don't, they can't move on to the next. And they can't move on. And you know, this is a Nelson Mandela quote that goes something along the lines of bitterness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It might make you feel good to vent for a few minutes, but you're really creating the exact wrong brand impression in the other person's mind. It's like, oh, you're that guy. Like, in, of course, you never want to be that guy you know, who's negative. You're trashing your last employer. And as you know, those are third rail kinds of behaviors that you see people doing. So we're very much about trying to get people to a good emotional, at least to neutral emotionally, 
but really help them find the benefits of you know being in job search. And you're going to meet a bunch of cool people that you never would have met before. You're going to, it's going to restore your faith in humanity of how many people there are out there who want to help you. Um, and you're going to be a different person on another day because now you're going to start taking people's phone calls when they're in job transition and paying it forward. So to me, with, with the, I love the idea of getting someone to neutral emotionally. Um, and to me, when I know that person's there, when they can describe what happened and one or two sentences and it's clear they're ready to just move on. Yes. And usually they don't tell you why they're, they don't tell you about why they left unless. um, Where someone says, well, you know, why'd you leave? Why are you looking? Um, When that question pops up, then they have it. Um, They answer that. But when people start going on longer than two sentences, I know that they are not, they're not ready to have a a real conversation about getting help um, for their job because they're, and well, I guess more importantly, hey Virginia, our speaking very well today. The messaging our, our, is 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 so painful and anger and hurt, and it um it makes a person at the other end sort of question what's going on. Yeah, and so you bring up a really good point. Again, this would be kind of a sales behavior, which is so people freak out on well, why did you leave your last company? And they'll, you know, a lot of times go into chapter and verse and ramble for a pretty long time on on what that is. And I love what you said, you know, it's like one or two sentences. Less is more in this. And and the idea is to be concise um, and to to use your kind of best and fewest reasons. So, well, the company's under a lot of financial pressure. And so they were forced to make some fairly draconian cuts. And unfortunately, I got caught up in that. Okay. What I love about that is that shows it's not about you and your performance. You're part of a bigger, a bigger thing. It took me seven seconds to say that. That's right. That's right. And it shows you are ready to move on to the, like, let's, uh, that's in the past. Let's look on the, let's focus on the future. Exactly. I love that. Um, So what advice do you have for somebody that is, thinking about launching their job search um, when you're lucky enough to get those people that have it that aren't halfway through or things aren't going well, where, where do you advise them to get started? Well, first base is what are you looking for? What's the role? Okay. What's the level? What's the industry? Um, that That's one where people get fairly stuck. Again, it's kind of like, I want to keep my options open. And, and you asked me about pivoting and we can talk about that kind of in the context of this as well is <clears throat> companies believe that industry is a very high order priority that you need to have come from whatever it is that we do um, or else the learning curve is going to be too long. So you know, when we're working with somebody, like I, I encourage them to not leave their brand equity based on their industry experience in, you know, in a pile over there. It's like, you know, even if you want to go to something that's adjacent to it, Find something that is related to things that you have done in the past, ideally, you know, unless there's a super compelling reason to not. But to say you know, that I want to go from being, you know, um, an architect to a dentist, it's right. like, okay, but that, that's a pretty big leap. Yeah, but I'm really interested in that. Well, okay, but do you have any background in it? You need to no. show there. You need to show something that either it, you you need to show the connections exactly as and to why this this pivot makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's one hundred percent incumbent on the candidate to connect those dots. You know, in the mind of the other person, because you know, hiring by its very nature is a risky business. And when there's you know gaps, and I don't mean like you know employment gaps, but like you know these dots are not very closely connected between being an architect and a dentist. It's incumbent on the candidate to show actually there's a ton of transferable skills. Right. Let me help you understand those. Right. No, you're right. I was um, I am working with a client right now who's been in the same industry for the last 15 years, but prior to that, his he had lots of industry diversity. Um, and he really does want to pivot. So I we talked about how to position him as someone who's industry, who can pivot from industries we need to show right at the very top. I've worked across all these industries and then speak to the um, the common skills and achievements in the top as well. Um, so that at least the reader is not scratching their head going, well, how can he possibly quickly learn my industry if yep. he hasn't been in it? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it clearly for that person, that's a demonstrated behavior that they're a quick and agile learner. That's right. And they, they can pick it up. But so so to your question, though, about, you know, how we start engaging with a, somebody who's new in the process. Yeah. So first role basis, level industry clear on your target clarity. Yeah. Attitude, which we have talked about. Messaging, which we have talked about. And then coming up with a target list of companies that are going to help drive your networking and also proactive company outreach. You know, we talked earlier about RFPs and job postings. You know, mm-hmm. and, and again, you're more of an expert in this than I am. You know, the, the, the what is it, 70, 80%, pick your favorite big number. Most jobs are not listed or you know, they come the, through kind of back channels. And so, but you need to have a list of companies that there is a strategic reason why I have curated a list of 20 to 40 companies that I'm targeting that you can share with people that you can you know go to LinkedIn and identify like who do you already have in your network that help can help make the connections. And then the last thing that I'll say is, and this is really important, is we also help clients download their LinkedIn contacts and prioritize their top 100 to 200 to jumpstart their networking activities. Again, when we're typically talking about non-salespeople, what we find is you know, Virginia, tell me about how your networking's going. Oh my gosh, I was so busy last week. Really, tell me about it. I had three networking calls last week. I'm like, oh my gosh, you need like three a day, not three in a week. And so really kind of helping people jumpstart their networking activity. So again, just to recap, it's attitude, it's messaging, it's outreach and target companies and and jumpstarting their networking. Those are the things that we kind of initially really help people with. And then, you know, then you have to go activate against all those things. Well, what I love is that you didn't say, well, the first thing you need is a resume because without these bits of information, the, especially the, the, the clarity on the role level in industry, as well as the kinds of companies that are interesting to you, that to me, that informs everything that you write. How, how I write for someone that is targeting the startup world is very different from someone who's targeting, you know, the Fortune 100 space. And so knowing that can really enrich in what your career marketing looks like. Well, well, I know, your, your I know marketing that, collateral, like your LinkedIn, your resume, all of that. So, so many of those things exactly are the discovery that you would do with a client, right? To help them create the collateral that's going to tell their story. Um, no, that's and, right. You're right. And, 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 and to present and, themselves so they can be found for what they want to be found for. That's right. And even, you know, you brought up the the, the idea of, of job postings that don't exist. Um, and I know that at, when you get to the larger companies, those roles, they are advertised online. But by the time they come out, those postings come out, so much has happened on the back end of, of you know, discussions and um, pre-qualification that by the time the postings come out, there's already a, a whole pipeline of people that are, um, they're pre-qualified. That's and exactly it's right. their job search. So my husband has gotten his last two jobs literally where as an afterthought, they the HR person said, oh gosh, you need to go submit your resume online. After he had the discussions, after the offer was letter was in hand. Um, and that, you know, he's one of dozens of people that I work with where that happened. So, and that's at established companies with established HR organizations and job postings and all of that. So um, I mean, we, 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 candidates don't understand sometimes is like if I'm the hiring manager and I've got Bob who's in a given role right now and Bob's like, OK, he's like a B, maybe even a B minus. Um, not my biggest problem today. And all of a sudden Virginia shows up and I see her credentials. It's like, what the heck am I putting up with Bob for where I could have Virginia? And so you create the need. Or, you know, the person's, you know, driving to Louisville uh, and just thinking about work and stuff. It's like, you know what I think we need? I think we finally need, I think we're finally ready for this director of strategic planning. And lo and behold, somebody shows up on my desk who's qualified as a director of strategic planning. The, the role was in my head. It wasn't, you know, out there. Right. on the time. Yeah. And it does happen all the time, but non-salespeople, this is this is a fundamental mindset of I don't have permission to reach out to that company. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you've got, 
you know, a strong message and you know what your value proposition is, and that's an appropriate company where your skills could help you know, them grow their business, then you have every right in the world to reach out to them. What you don't have the right to do is just spam people you know, with irrelevant resumes, you know, for you, you're just putting stuff out there that you don't have a right to. But if you can target the right people and you know your value proposition and you know generally the kinds of things they're trying to solve for, it's almost like you're doing them a disservice by not you're, reaching you're out. You're doing them a favor. I was going to say, when someone realizes that they have a need and that you're the person to help solve that problem, you're doing them a favor. So Exactly. And, and, that. and that, that's the part that non-salespeople, and to your earlier point, sometimes salespeople don't make the connection. It's like, oh, I guess you're right. But, you know, if you've never been trained in this, you you wouldn't know to think this way. Of course, of course. No, it's not intuitive at all. Um, do you feel like your the advice that you might give would be different if the person that you are working with has maybe been job searching for, a, you know, for a few months and that search hasn't been successful? Or is it the same same as what we talked about before, sort of uncovering the target, all of that? Well, what I would want to understand initially is one, again, I'm going to, people are going to be able to predict what I'm saying now, is you know, what, what's their headspace? How's their attitude? How's their tone? How are they coming off? You could be the most qualified person in the world doing a lot of activities, but if your attitude doesn't come off right, yeah. then there's a reason you're having the results that you're having. Or you could be really optimistic and cheery and have a great background, but your message is messed up. Like, you know this. I mean, again, this is this is in your lane where people understate their accomplishments. You know, like, well, I just did my job. Like, well, there's nothing magical about that. I was just doing my job. The lead. They buried right? the lead. They buried the lead. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did. They just really underweight what their actual contributions have been. And then when you're able to kind of present that in a much more compelling way and relevant way, it's like, lo and behold, this resume was magic. Well, no kidding, because you're telling your story in a way that people, you know, that's what they want to buy. And, and you had it so diluted by being humble or whatever that um, it wasn't that compelling. So what we really try and do is kind of deconstruct if, if you're otherwise look like a, you know, a good candidate for somebody, like, then let's look at your process because there's probably you know, one or more things that are broken in it that we could help you with. Um, that's typical. You're right. There, there's a lot of points where is a process where things can get bottlenecked. So I hear you sort of doing a root cause analysis to figure out. <laughs> Basically, exactly. Happening. That's it. Um, so what about, and I get, I get people that not only are open to many industries, but they are, they have a diverse set of skills. Um, and they say, I don't want to limit myself and because I like lots of things and, or I don't, I don't want to pitch it myself. What advice do you have for them? I love that question. So, you know, Bob, should I do what my most recent job was? Should I do the thing that I've been doing the longest? Should I do what I love the most? You know, should I do what pays the most? And, and I'm like, well, that, those are false choices because you're, you're phrasing the question like, I have to only pick one. And one of the things that we talk to people about is bake a cake. And what I mean by that is I think that that question of, you know, which one of these things should I do is analogous to I've got milk, I've got sugar, I've got eggs, I've got flour, which one should I use? And so, well, you should blend them together and create a very unique story. Right. One one that, you know, nobody else can tell that story and then figure out who is the audience that's most going to resonate with that story. You were talking about your client that's been in a bunch of different industries. You know, I would love to see like, well, what are the different industries, you know, and how could you go You know, take somebody that's got both technology and retail and you know, whatever else and go create a really unique story that the hiring manager can't believe, because what do I talk about? Unicorns. Well, you want somebody that's done all this stuff. Well, maybe you have done all this stuff. You just haven't crafted the story in a way. So, you know, we find that, you know, the bake a cake is essentially three circles. What am I really good at? What do I have demonstrated competency and accomplishments doing? That's the first circle. The second circle is what am I interested in? 
And I'm going to stop short of what am I passionate about or what do I love, but what am I just interested in? You know, I've, I've got genuine intellectual curiosity about this. It might go all the way to passionate, but it doesn't have to. And then the third circle is basically, you know, what are companies or industries that would reward those in our hiring? Uh, yeah, I don't what want to go. What are you good at that you like? And what are you good at that you like that somebody will pay you for? Yes. Okay. Right? And so the Venn diagram of those three circles, what am I good at? What do I care about? Who's hiring? Basically, that's your cake. That's blending those ingredients. And you may find that, you know, in with some opportunities, and again, you're, you're great at helping people like tailor their resume, do a cover letter that's specific to an opportunity and bake a cake. You know, you might add a little bit more sugar, add a little less sugar, bake it a little longer, bake it a little less, depending on what the opportunity is and what's going to most make your story resonate with that particular um, opportunity. But it's the, the blending of those things to create a very unique value proposition that I think is the best answer to that question. Well, and what I like about that is that you are helping people to sort of lean in more on maybe one one skill or experience than other based on that analysis of what are you good at that you like that you make money for. Um, mm -hmm. Because if it doesn't meet those three criteria, it maybe isn't worth focusing on that or leaning into it for that reader. Well, well exactly. And, and again, you know, the way that we talk about this is the resume is the discussion guide for the conversation you want to have. And what I'm leading to is interviewing. So, you know, when you know, you know, that intersection of those three things, you can start to shape how you, you know, one, the bullet points on your resume, but then how you tell those stories live in an interview. And, and the way that I say it's the, the resume might get you the interview, the stories you tell will get you the job. And so, so when you've got your kind of the conviction, the clarity, the confidence of telling those stories, confidence is contagious. When you believe, you make me believe. And, and so that's the way these things come across in a very authentic, genuine way is this is my story. And these, this is true about me. It's about what I care about. It's what I'm good at. It's an industry that I can get excited about or am excited about. And when you can convey that genuine enthusiasm, obviously people hire people. ATSs don't hire people. People hire people. And when you're showing that passion and that interest and you're sitting up straighter and your eyes are more open and you're modulating. You know, it makes you less have to understate because you're speaking from a position of confidence and passion and you've exactly. got to back things up, right? So it all kind of integrates together. These are not like spot solutions for this and spot solutions for that. It's all kind of integrated together to tell a cohesive story. And again, that's what somebody like you is so good at is helping people craft that narrative, whether it's in resume form, LinkedIn, tell me about yourself, interviewing, networking. It's all kind of the same DNA that manifests itself in different ways. That. Um, is there something that sort of drives you a little crazy when you're you're that you see the job seekers sort of do over and over again, perhaps even when they do have this education on hand that you're sharing, or even if they don't? That's a great question. So we, we did a pilot um, about a year and a half ago of a CRM tool that we've built that's pre-populated with you know, a couple million companies to help people identify the companies that they want. And then we help them develop templates in the CRM tool, you know, email templates to do outbound, reaching out to people. And we had a client who, you know, very talented, smart lady, right experience, a, a big market for her to go take those skills to. And she wasn't developing any leads. And as I was talking to her, I'm like, Ann, like, just shut your eyes for a minute and it's time to press the send button or you know, to reach out to this person at this other company. You're not pressing the send button. Why is it? And she broke out into tears. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what, what's the matter? 
And she lacked confidence. She lacked self-belief. You asked me a question a few minutes ago about the person that's been in job search for a while. That's mm-hmm. what really takes a hit is because they're hearing the market's rejecting me. You know, my last company let me go. Now I can't find a new job. I guess it's me. And most of the times it's not you uh, in, in terms of like the, the, the skills that you bring to the table. Right. It's, it's a self-belief. And so we talk about, you know, encouragement, empowerment, and enablement. And, you know, encouragement is what it sounds like. Empowerment is teaching people how to, how to fish, basically. And enablement is bringing some of the technology and tools to help them activate on this stuff. But the way I always say is if I can only do one, I want to encourage you. Because this is such a psychological, emotional kind of a thing for people. Um, and that's what we see tends to be the holdup on people is they've got to get to a, an appropriate level of self-belief. I'm not talking about arrogance. You know, I'm, pe- people like, and you should be humble, but um, it, it's really just a sense of self-belief, Virginia, that so many people lack. And the longer you're in job search, the more they, that erodes. Yeah. And um and when people, even though so many people are getting, have gotten laid off between, I think about between 2008 and now we've seen so many ups and downs with things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like 2000, I think about 2001 with 9-11 and the recession and this, I would think it would be, a we would, would have gotten to a point where people don't feel bad about themselves when they get laid off. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. And um, well, it's interesting, Virginia. So one of the uh, organizations that we have a relationship with is called SHRM, the Society for Human Resources Management. Management, uh-huh. Yeah. And so the CEO is Johnny Taylor, and, and he's a super good guy. And one of the things that he talks about is <clears throat> Gen Z and younger millennials. You know, the last recession was 2008, 2009. You know, they weren't in college then. And so, you know, some people sort of have missed a down cycle. And so as things do get here a little bit more challenging, it's like, well, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. Well, that's kind of what the hand we're being dealt right now. And nobody knows, you know, how long and how bad or how anything. So, you know, I do think it's going to be a challenge for some people who have not experienced a downturn and you have to get a bit more creative and a bit more persistent and diligent about how they might go find their next opportunity. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, I'd love to sort of pivot to ask you about, um, you know, one of the challenges that, you know, a lot of my clients talk about and are fearful of, and that's around discrimination when it comes to hiring practices. Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of discrimination, a lot of isms, ageism, sexism, <laughs> you know, all of it, um, racism, what are your thoughts on, or I guess what, how do you advise job seekers to navigate it? Um, you know, and that's a big, big, hairy question, but well, how does it come up in what you're working with and, and how are you helping your clients? Yeah. So I'm giving a talk in a couple of weeks on ageism. So maybe we can just pick on that one first. Yeah. Um, Remember, you were asking me a few minutes ago about like, you know, when we get somebody who's been in job search for a while, you know, how do we begin to engage with them? You know, and and you said root cause analysis, which is right. What we find is on on like ageism, you know, people will say, um, well, the reason I'm not getting a job is because of ageism. Well, maybe, but that's a convenient label to throw on everything. And it absolves you of any responsibility in how we got here. So, you know, are you fumbling around with Zoom and you can't, you know, oh, God, I'm not really good at this stuff. Sorry. You know, hang on for a minute. Well, you already tell me you're not comfortable with technology. That doesn't play well right now. You know, bringing an appropriate level of energy, you know, and, and not being, you know, sound like you're old and tired and, you know, had trouble waking up this morning, you know. If if you're a marketer and somebody starts talking about TikTok and you go, well, you know, I don't know, TikTok's for the kids. I don't really know that much about TikTok. You're telling me you're not relevant and then you're not keeping up with like whatever the, the latest thing is. 
And is ageism the cause of all that? I don't think so. I, th- I think that that's, you know, those are all things that the candidate can take responsibility for in the, in that particular well, case. And what you did in, in, this, in discussing the energy level and the familiarity with technology, those are the two biggest uh, things that people, the generalizations people make about, about more mature workers. And so by understanding what the biases are, yep. you are in a position to prepare and respond to them so that you're, you're um, mitigating the, the, the bias before it even presents itself. You're cutting it off, heading off at the pass. I think so. And, and exactly right. I mean, you know, if you want to win the game, know the rules. And, right. and you don't need to know, you need to know relevant technology to your industry and the latest things in your industry. Um, and so that you should present yourself as current and modern in that. Because um, I think people, you don't need to know how to code if you're looking for a, a role in finance, but you do need to know, uh, you know, the most, the latest and greatest of the finance technologies that are out there. You know, I mean, one of the, the, the most common words, you know, that, that I'm sure, you, you know, finds its way into resumes and stuff is curious. And when you say, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really good at that. And I, I haven't really kept up with that. And I don't know anything. I don't even know what crypto is and meta what. And, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, what, what you're basically indicating is you're not curious, actually. And, you know, there's a there's a great book. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember if we've back and forth on this one called Workquake by Steve Cadigan, who is LinkedIn's first CHRO. And that's the superpower now is learning agility. Can you demonstrate your know, learning agility? You know, well, I don't work in tech. Yes, you do. Everybody works in tech. Every business is powered by tech. We farms are powered by tech. And you know, tech is going to change in three years. Whatever the current thing is, it's guaranteed it's going to be something else. You know, some cool company with a funny name um, who's the latest and greatest, whatever. And so we have to be agile learners and be able to demonstrate that. To Again, I'm going back to your multi-industry client. That person can demonstrate it in spades. I think on, on things like racism, you know, obviously that's a bit more insidious. Um, so, so how do you start to sniff that out? Well, one is look at the leadership of the company. Is, is there diversity in the? I think this would go to gender as well. Is there is there diversity in the leadership? You know, can you see that they've you know taken any stands on social media? Are there executives on uh, boards that are organized around these causes, supporting these causes? I think there's lots of social cues and just obvious cues that people can be looking at. I think, too, that, you know, in interviewing, one of the most powerful ways you can differentiate yourself is at the section in the interview when the interviewer says, so, Virginia, do you have any questions for me? Well, yeah. So, again, it doesn't have to be a poke in the eye, but you can certainly start to address some of these things. And, you know, can you tell me how big co you know, thinks about racism and and how has that the company culture changed on this? You know, in the past three years. So That's right. Isn't it, back. Things are part of your of if it's part of what made up why you want to work for a company or why you're interested. If those components are really important, then you need to you need to understand company stances on them. I, so I I did an interview where I was interviewing somebody last week, and uh, we were talking about. Um, culture fit. And, and I'm finding that people are starting to kind of eschew that term of culture fit. And I really like what this guy said. He said, no, what we're looking for is values alignment and cultural ad. So you know, we, we don't want, you know, the 101st of the same thing that we already have. So, but we are looking for values alignment. And I just thought that that was a very neat way of kind of tying that together. And, you know, as the candidate, you know, you are looking for values alignment. Do these, does this company, can they demonstrate that there's enough alignment on values and probably not on every issue? That's called diversity and diversity is good. But is this the kind of a place where somebody like me is going to be welcomed? 
and where I can make a difference. I love that. I love that. Uh, well, Bob, I'd love to have you walk us through how the how your job club platform supports job seekers because it's really unique. Um, and you put a lot of work into it. Can you sort of explain how someone can benefit from your program? Yeah, so Career Club, yeah, we even picked the words just for the name itself uh, is pretty indicative. Uh, it's not called Job Search Club. It's called Career Club. And so, you know, we we work and want to work with clients through their career. The on-ramp tends to be some kind of a job transition. Um, and Club is about community. Um, because we're just, as you can tell from several of my answers, you know, we're really trying to help the whole person there, not just the work producing unit. And yeah. so community is really, really important. But, you know, kind of the way that it works is, um, you know, we get a new client and uh, kind of assess in outplacement, we do we do a decent amount of outplacement work now where you know companies are laying off people and they send them to us. So you know, we work with a clinical psychologist who helps uh, back on attitude and at least getting people to neutral and getting them some coping mechanisms. Uh, he also helps with values and kind of, now that somebody's pressed the pause button long enough to kind of figure out what do I want next? He's got some great tools and things to help people with that. The next bit is helping people with their resume and their LinkedIn profile. And we've um, established, you know, some great resume writers who can help do that. We, we don't we don't do that. We've actually partnered with best in class people to do that. Um, we believe that that is really, really important before somebody starts networking, applying for stuff. You know, again, you need to have your message down. Yeah. And your public profile, what does everybody do? They go to your LinkedIn profile. You don't want to be generating a lot of interest in you if your LinkedIn profile isn't consistent with right, what right. you're looking for. I mean, I know that's like telling you your name, but <laughs> a lot of candidates. Don't right. Last thing you want is for people to get reached out for roles that they're not interested at all. Yeah. Or, or again, like, well, I haven't updated my LinkedIn profile for 10 years because I've been working at the same company and I never saw the need. And so I still got a picture of me at a wedding and it's blurry and I don't look like that anymore and whatever. Right. right? And, and I'm not describing myself in current terms. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, helping people activate their network. It's such an untapped thing. We all know that we need to air quote network. And most of us are not very good at it. Um, and so, you know, helping people activate their network, how to conduct a networking call so it's productive for them and for the other person. Um, then we spend a lot of time in interview prep. We, I mentioned earlier, we've got a CRM tool that's pre-populated with, you know, a couple million companies so that people can curate their territory, going back to sales language, they're curating a territory of up to 60 companies that we are going to actually execute an outbound campaign on their behalf for them. So, you know, here's your territory. We will go identify who the decision makers for your role are at that company. And basically, we're going to act like a first line of offense, not defense, but offense of reaching out to those companies in the client's name. So we create a Gmail account for the client using his or her name and you know, some extension that makes it unique. And then when we're doing the outreach, the outbound campaigns on the client's behalf, it's not coming from Bob. It's not coming from whatever career club is. It's coming from the client. So it's their name that's getting out there. It's their LinkedIn profile that's being clicked. It's their email that's getting socialized around the company to have somebody get back to them. Um, and then the last thing that we do is uh, we've got a pretty big database of relevant uh, executive search and recruiters. And so all of that is designed to take it, what we would call an omni-channel approach. You know, there's not a one size fits all. We don't, we don't know and the client doesn't know where their next opportunity is going to come from. What we do know is that they need to be exploring all the areas it might be coming from so that they're filling up the top of that funnel with a lot of relevant conversations that is ultimately going to yield that one yes that they need, which is their next employer. Um, omni-channel, but also full life cycle approach. 
Just, and, and Actually, what, what do you mean by that? That's an interesting phrase. Oh, where what I mean is that you don't just focus on the interview stage. You don't just focus oh. on the resume development. You are there from what's my target to all the way up to interview support. And I imagine negotiating. And negotiating. And negotiating. Yeah. 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 It's funny too, but very quickly on that, you know, it's not uncommon. I don't want to set expectations inappropriately, but it's not uncommon that somebody will still be very new with us. And we've gone through the resume and the LinkedIn stuff start, maybe they're doing their networking and some things start popping, which we hope. Um, and I, Bob, like, like, I think actually I'm really interested in this one company, but, but I'm so, so early in your process, what should I do? And basically they're afraid of saying yes too soon to something and not quote, exploring all their options. And I'm like, well, you need to know what your decision criteria are. You know, does it fit your life? Your deal breakers, all of that. Yeah. And and if it is ticking all the right boxes, then that's good. Like, congratulations. You know, you won the race faster than other people win the race. Um, but you need to know what your criteria are. And I like what you said, deal breakers, but the things that are going to make this a great fit for you and the things that might make it not a great fit for you. And if it if you can run it through what your filters are and it passes and passes well, why wouldn't you say yes to it? Right, right now, I totally agree. Um, so what are your top two must-have job search tools or you know, things that you need in your in your back pocket to be able to go on a job search? I might be a rehash of what we just talked about, which is you'd have your attitude in check and know what you want to do. Um, but what say you? <laughs> No, so, so but 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 it is that Virginia. I mean, it's you have to have your head screwed on straight. You have to have your message. Your message needs to be clear, concise, and compelling. Clear. I got. I got to be able to understand what it is. Concise. You cannot ramble. Like just get to the point. And it needs to be compelling. And that's where most people, I, I think, again, don't do a great job. And where working with somebody like you is so helpful is because you won't stop until you've got the message as good as it can be and their accomplishments as good as they can be. And so it's got to be all three things. Um, so, because once you've got that, then your networking is going to be really effective. Yeah, really effective. everything takes off from there. It absolutely informs everything. And, and, and then your interviewing is going to be so much more compelling yeah. Because you know your message. And, and this is the one thing you, you said deal breakers. I do want to pick on a point for a second. One of the things that we teach clients around branding, you know, your personal brand is the real hallmark in my mind of a brand is what it's not. What it's not. And I always mm -hmm. use the example of Tide. Right. We all know Tide is in the laundry detergent aisle. But if Tide wanted to flex its muscles, so to speak, it could say, well, I clean floors. I can clean cars. I can clean you. I, I can clean anything. Like, we're the best cleaner. But they don't do that. They know what their lane is, and they dominate it. They absolutely dominate laundry and have for decades. And it's the same thing for, for a client. Is Once you've got, you know, we talk about, Convictions lead to clarity. Clarity leads to confidence and confidence is contagious. When you really believe your message, you're going to kill it. You, with the right company and the right person, they're going to love you. And you only need one. So that's why we're so into attitude and messaging because everything else starts to take care of itself. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. Um, so my last and final question for you, Bob, is, um, you know, we've talked a lot about what you've built um, and now we are closing out on the last quarter of 2022. What do you have? Do you have anything new or exciting down the road for next year that you are open to sharing? Yeah, well, thank you for asking. So I, I, I mentioned it a minute ago, um, you know, the talent cycle has flipped or is flipping as we speak yeah. from a red hot talent market, which, which is uh, you know, fueled in large part by easy money and venture capital and private equity and low interest rates. And you know, so everybody's just, you know, burning up money, time to grow. Mm -hmm. Obviously that has changed. 
So all of a sudden we kind of went from fifth gear to, I won't say reverse, but at least, you know, second gear. And, and so companies are letting go of folks, whether they have to, or they think it's prudent to kind of start trimming it back a little bit because we don't know what's ahead. So, you know, our business has uh, kind of repackaged uh, the offering to address what companies are looking for when when they've had to let go of people. And, you know, outplacement, this might be a little self-serving, it doesn't look like it's had very much innovation in a really, really long time. And we're trying to take a much more human-centric approach, you know, to to helping people who've experienced a loss. So outplacement is really the big idea for us is, you know, it's unfortunate that companies are letting go of people, but it's going to happen with or without us. And so we want to provide the best, safest place for people to land so that they can figure out their why and what they want to do and be back working and happy again as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, I love that. And I agree with you on the um, the need for innovation in that space. Um, look, it's been a while since there's been lots of layoffs. So I guess it's not Fair, fair enough. That, 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 that's a good point too. The other thing I would just encourage people to do is we do podcasting like you, and we've been very blessed to get some you know really high quality guests. Um, and you know, for people that are interested in you know things around career, um, we, we tend to focus a bit on consumer packaged goods and retail and the, uh, the name of your podcast. It's it, I, creatively, it's uh, Career Club LinkedIn Live with Bob Goodwin. So we do it as a LinkedIn Live, which is fun. Um, but then we just you know, upload it immediately, the audio portion immediately to all the major podcast platforms. We've had, that. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, we, we had like the CEO of Procter & Gamble on talking about leadership stuff that was just amazing. Um, three-star general talking about, you know, these kinds of things all the way down to our mutual friend, Hannah Mason uh, was on, you know, getting into the particulars of resumes and stuff like that. So and yeah. everything in between. That's great. Well, Bob, thank you so much. I, your service is, is one of a kind. Um, it's, I love that you support people from end to end and, and hit on the, the components that make for not just a successful job search, but a, a, a job search where someone's going to be happier um, at the end. Um, Cause you certainly don't want to land, land the wrong job. And I feel like the measures you put into place help people to have to make that happen. Um, so thank you for taking the time. Well, Virginia, thank you. You know, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a long time, and you know, you uh, and and a couple of your colleagues are you definitely some of the biggest thought leaders on LinkedIn and uh, helping people with what I believe is just really high quality, um, both advice and services. So you know that you would think to have me on means a lot. So thank you. You've been listening to the Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online CM hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.